familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. When a baby is exclusively breastfed, sometimes a concern is raised that the baby may not be getting enough essential nutrients, specifically vitamin D and iron. I'm Dr. Daniel Lindenberg, a pediatrician with Scripps Coastal Medical Center in Hillcrest. Today, we will be discussing important supplements to consider for your exclusively breastfed baby. This is the Boob Group, Episode 6. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva, don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk, all udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group, because mothers know breasts. Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also a certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. At The Boob Group, we're your online support group for all things related to breastfeeding. Wondering how you can become involved with our show? Visit our website at theboobgroup.com where you can send us comments or suggestions through our contact link. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook page. You can even call The Boob Group hotline at 619 866-4775. The Boob Group is also looking for listeners to join our blogging team. If you'd like to share your current or past experiences with breastfeeding, be sure to send us an email. Today, I'm joined by three fabulous panelists in the studio. Ladies, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I am Sunny Galt. Um, I'm actually not breastfeeding at the moment. I am 10 days away from giving birth, so I will be <laughs> breastfeeding very, very shortly. I am 34 years old, a web video host and producer, but I'm also the host of our sister show, which is called Preggy Pals for all of our pregnant listeners out there. It's a good opportunity to network with other moms-to-be. And uh, I have one other child at home, uh, Sayer, a little boy, and this one's a little boy, too. Hi, my name is Heidi Rungi. I am 33. I'm a paralegal. I have one son, Asher, who was just turned four months, and then my man-child husband. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Cassidy, and I'm 26. I'm a marriage and family therapist intern working at UCSD, and I have one daughter, and she is seven months old. Sounds familiar. If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. It was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. 
It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. So it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Before we get started with today's topic, here's Wendy Wright talking about breastfeeding tips for the working mom. Hi, Boob Group listeners. I'm Wendy Wright, an internationally board-certified lactation consultant and the owner of Lactation Navigation in Palo Alto, California. I'm here to answer some of your most common questions about returning to work as a breastfeeding mother, such as, why should I continue to breastfeed after I return to work? This is a great question and one that we get all the time. Um, the primary reason to continue to breastfeeding after returning to work is to provide the best nutrition for your baby. Also, by continuing to breastfeed after you return to work, um, and by that I mean pumping while you're at work and then breastfeeding while you're with your infant together, it does make it possible for you to continue to breastfeed on the weekends and evenings. Um, it's a great way to maintain a special closeness with your baby, even when you must be apart for work or for travel. Another reason to continue breastfeeding after you return to work is to save money. Um, purchasing a can of formula every week to provide your infant can get very, very expensive. And um, by pumping your own breast milk while at work, you'll definitely see the financial impact for your family. Another nice reason to continue breastfeeding when you return to work is it does help you avoid some of the health risks associated with formula feeding, such as higher incidence of ear infections, higher incidence of respiratory infections, and in general, just an overall improved health for your infant with breast milk. And the last reason to continue that I'd just like to mention is that the American Academy of Pediatrics does recommend mothers and babies exclusively breastfeed for the first six months of life. In the United States, the average woman returns to work about six weeks after delivery of her child, and that definitely falls within the first six months of life. So by continuing to breastfeed after you're returning to work, you're providing the best health for you and your baby. Please remember to visit www.lactationnav.com for more great information about my business, Lactation Navigation. And be sure to listen to the Boob Group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today on The Boob Group, we're discussing nutritional supplements for the exclusively breastfed baby. Dr. Danya Lindenberg is a pediatrician with Scripps Coastal Medical Center in Hillcrest and a mother of two with a third one on the way. Dr. Lindenberg, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Sure. So um, we'll just get right into it. Dr. Lindenberg, um, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, which vitamin supplements or nutritional supplements are recommended for exclusively breastfed babies and at which age? 
So according to recent AAP guidelines, um, vitamin D and iron, as we had mentioned, are the two supplements that are recommended. Um, An updated vitamin D policy just came out in 2008, um, which recommended that all uh, solely breastfed babies or babies who are receiving, um, who are not receiving one liter of formula a day um, supplemented with vitamin D should receive 400 international units of vitamin D starting very soon after birth. Um, This was a policy statement that came out in uh, 2010. It actually recommends that all uh, solely breastfed babies start receiving an iron supplement of one milligram per kilogram per day starting at four months of age until the introduction of iron-containing supplementary foods. Ladies, um, did your pediatrician recommend that you supplement your baby with additional nutrients? Yeah, you know, I'm naturally low in iron anyways, and so I think at some point with my son, my firstborn, I I may have been about six months or so, he did suggest supplementation. But, you know, I don't know, the drops that I got, my son just really wasn't into, um, so it didn't work out very well. Even if, you know, I were to just kind of put it in some breast milk or whatever, he just still, it's like he he could sense the iron, and he was totally (laughs) against the iron. But, yeah, our pediatrician did recommend it. How about you, Heidi? Yeah, I actually just had my four-month appointment yesterday, and he did recommend it. Um, I um, partial breastfeed, so he adjusted the amount that um, I should supplement. Um, I believe he cut it in half and had 200. Um, For vitamin D you're talking yes, about. Yes, mm-hmm. yep. Um, so it was based on the fact that he does get some formula. Um, I'm probably about 60 to 70% formula and 30 to 40% breast milk, so... Yeah, at our um, four-month, um, four-month. no, you know what, I think it was our six-month checkup that actually our pediatrician recommended maybe supplementing um, and adding, you know, oatmeal or rice cereal that had iron in it. Um, but it was con- I was confused because I had heard from, you know, other moms or other sources that, you know, rice cereal wasn't good. You know, it could be very constipating or maybe try other ways to introduce iron. So I actually am interested in hearing more about that. I guess we can talk about the iron um, issue first. This new guideline, to be honest, a lot of us aren't putting four-month-olds on supplementary drops. Um, I think that there are certain cases where most of us would, um, certain conditions would predispose a baby to iron deficiency, um, prematurity, because a lot of the um, the iron, actually the vast majority of iron is accrued during the third trimester. So if a baby's born premature, I think most of us would probably put a baby on iron. And then infants of diabetic uh, mothers um, and some other conditions. That being said, I think that this new guideline came about because more and more research is coming out about subtle effects of iron deficiency, not even iron deficiency, anemia per se. Um, And so breast milk is poorer, has less, I should say, um, iron than formula. Um, As um, a lot of people know, it's more bioavailable iron. So babies absorb a greater percentage of it, but they have been seeing that there is a trend that babies who are solely breastfed, um, especially if it's more than six months, do become iron deficient. So whereas most of us don't necessarily start an iron drop at four months of age, um, the American Academy of Pediatrics does recommend starting solid sometime between four and six months of age, although the, the, another guideline says to wait till six months to introduce solids and solely breastfed babies. So there's a little bit of a discrepancy. What I would tell you is if you decide to introduce supplementary foods before six months, I really try to emphasize sources of iron that are more well-absorbed meats. Um, The iron in meats is um, heme iron as opposed to non-heme iron, which is in foods that are supplemented. 
So your baby's really going to absorb the iron better in foods that have it naturally, like meats. It used to be people waited last till introducing meats, and now really the emphasis on in- is introducing them earlier. So around, I really, around what age would you say for meats? Because some of the research I've read is around eight months. I say six months, really? right when you can do them right with with other solids. How do you recommend serving them to babies? It depends. It's a little, <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good question because if you're like me and you do you didn't make your own baby food, <laughs> it, the the forms of meat are pretty pretty uh, non palatable. I think <laughs> sometimes if you're someone who makes your own food, you can boil. You can boil chicken. Don't add a lot of an extra anything, salt. You can mix it with sweet potatoes. You can mm-hmm. mix it with vegetables. Just puree it. Um, you can do darker meat. The darker the meat, the more rich in iron it's going to be. So there's really no contraindication to, to starting those foods early. The whole thing with the cereal, I think that um, cereal is a very important source of iron because a lot of people don't give meats early for a various number of reasons, including just not making their own, for example. In terms of rice cereal, I think that it does tend to be constipating. Often I'll have my patients go directly to oatmeal or to um, even quickly move to mixed grain varieties. Sometimes I like the varieties that have probiotics in them because I find that those are less constipating sometimes. So I think that the whole the whole thing about rice is that you, you want the foods your, ba- your baby eats to be foods that you want them to eat for life. So there's there's one campaign I've seen from someone I trained with actually who now works at Stanford called Whiteout mm-hmm. where he talks about avoiding white foods. You don't want your baby eating. There's so much refined starches. So rice cereal is often just very refined and white. So if you're going to do rice, I would say do a whole grain brown rice. It's not that rice is bad, but it's just it's it doesn't have a whole lot of good things except for the, the iron, really. Right. I really appreciate that because when I was deciding what I'm going to be feeding my daughter from the very beginning, you know, I wanted to be things that I wanted her to be eating for life and things that I eat because mm-hmm. it's good for me. And, you know, with rice, it just didn't feel like the white rice. It wasn't something that I would eat on a normal day to day basis. And, you know, I want her to get the iron. So I appreciate that. Are there other forms besides meat? So um, I believe do lentils have a lot of mm-hmm. iron? Yep. Beans are good. Um, leafy greens, although it's really hard to get enough leafy greens in a little baby. But beans, if you compare them, lentils. Um, egg yolks have iron, and um, those are safe for babies. Actually, new allergy guidelines don't really even limit much of, of anything, which we, I'm sure you'll talk about at a different um, boob group episode <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are good sources. Um, the best are going to be foods that have it naturally. So yeah, absolutely. If I could backtrack a little bit, um, maybe just talking about anemia a little bit. Like I was anemic, um, I guess I found out, I think at 28 weeks. How does that affect, would that have a negative impact like on my breast milk or on like maybe Asher now him needing more iron? Um, it depends how anemic. All all pregnant women, I mean, I'm always anemic too when I'm pregnant. Now I take iron too. Mm-hmm. Um, you get diluted. Basically, you have more blood volume. So all all women are going to drop their hemoglobin. So it depends how anemic. Mm-hmm. But if you aren't repleted or you don't take any iron, there's a potential for him to have lower iron stores when he is born, okay. which could set him up for possibly becoming iron deficient earlier. He he basically depends on your iron stores until about four to six months of age. That's where the salt comes into play. Okay. He receives your stores and is if you you know if he was born with enough, which a lot of babies are, some are, and I think that's part of the concern, he starts running out at four to six months. If he's already kind of on the low side because of your stores, mm-hmm. he could run out quicker or okay. become deficient. That being said, it, I think it depends on how how deficient you are. Okay. 
Okay. What type of symptoms would show? Are there any in a baby that would show that they are anemic or low in iron? I think you have to be pretty low to actually have severe symptoms. I think part of the concern is that more and more studies, or or some studies at least, have shown that there's subtle cognitive um, deficits that may happen later in adulthood, problems with nerve myelination, um, kids performing lower on certain developmental scales, um, cognition, concentration, just more subtle things that are very hard to quantify. But in terms of actual symptoms, people compensate if it's something gradual, like you, you it's amazing how normal a child can look with a very low hemoglobin mm-hmm. um, just from being able to sort of compensate for it. So do you th- would you recommend in your own practice to test babies at four months for their hemoglobin levels? So that way, if I don't know if that's even possible, no, but it is. It just is. so if a baby does need iron supplementation, at least you're supplementing the babies that need it, whereas supplementing them straight across the board. I think, I think in parents who, who, um, you identify that there's a potential for low iron um, for anemia. Who would those potentials be? Um, definitely moms who may have been anemic or quite anemic during pregnancy, any baby who's less than 37 weeks of age, um, although a lot of times we just supplement those babies. But in parents who would rather know, absolutely, we can test. Um, I, think, I think it's always a balance because we try to avoid unnecessary testing as well because sure. parents don't, you know, there's cost and also parents don't want their babies to be poked a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings, you know, that brings up the whole issues of what, how to test. You can do a hemoglobin stick, but if you're iron deficient without anemia, your hemoglobin may still be normal. So then you would need to go for further iron studies, which is a lab draw. And a lot of parents don't love the idea of a sure. lab draw for their four month old. Um, but I think in some cases, yeah, if, if, if the risk benefit to you as a mom is, is toward, like, if you say to me, I'd rather get tested before supplementing, I think I'm fine with that. I think that's, that's great because then you actually know what what you're doing. You know what you're giving as opposed to just following a guideline. Um, and there are other sources of anemia. This particular uh, guideline actually says that in toddlers, only 40% of anemia is due to iron deficiency, which I, I, not my practice, I, I, I would think it's more. But that's what in the U.S., that's what they came up with. Okay. Terrific. Well, when we come back, we'll be discussing vitamin D supplementation for the exclusively breastfed baby. Is it really necessary? We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Okay, and we're back. Uh, Dr. Lindenberg, what is the protocol for vitamin D supplementation? You had mentioned that it was 400 IUs. Um, why is this recommended for exclusively breastfed babies? Um, similarly to what we were talking about with iron, um, breast milk is uh, does not have a lot of vitamin D in it. And as more and more research comes out, vitamin D is a really hot topic right now for research. Uh, vitamin D deficiency has been linked to many things, obviously to bone health um, and subtle bone um, bone weakening, even at slightly deficient levels, but also now to immune defects and cancers and obesity, and it seems like vitamin D is always in the news. So uh, more and more, it's been shown that um, a lot of kids and later even adults are vitamin D deficient. And um, 
babies who are exclusively breastfed are, are at higher risk of being vitamin D deficient. So um, because there, there are so many variables in your vitamin D uh, levels, everything from your, uh, the maternal levels of vitamin D, which get passed across the placenta, to your darkness of your skin, um, less than 10% of vitamin D is actually dietary. Nine, over 90% is what you make in your own skin. So skin color is huge, um, what latitude you live in, um, how much sun exposure you have, how direct the sunlight is. Because those variables are so hard to quantify, the AAP has come out with a guideline that babies who uh, receive at least half maternal breast milk or uh, or solely breastfed should receive 400 international units starting soon after birth because that dose has been shown to prevent both osteomalacia, like vitamin D deficiency, and rickets. What exactly is rickets? Rickets is a condition that um, results from vitamin D deficiency, which causes uh, basically demineralization of bone. It causes sort of thickening at the ends of bones, uh, widening, splaying, and basically demineralization and weakness of bones. It can cause bowing of your legs. Um, it's it's pretty pretty. It can be pretty serious. Um, the La Leche League. Uh, Womenly Art of Breastfeeding says that the recent research states that if a mother actually takes 4,000 IUs of a day of vitamin D, that her milk can contain enough so that the baby won't need supplementation. Um, have you found that to be true? Well, I mean, I, I looked into this a bit, and there's been maybe a couple studies. The one that you're referring to is a study from 2004. Um, there is, there, these do, studies do show that if a mother takes, these are basically megadoses of vitamin D, that yes, it can raise the uh, level in breast milk similarly uh, or enough in equivalent amounts to a, a baby taking 400 international units. The safety of that approach is not proven. I mean, those are very, very large levels of vitamin D, but it is something that should be looked at. I don't, I don't know if that's really safer though. Like for a mother to take that much of a fat-soluble vitamin compared to a baby taking you know, 10% of that. But yeah, it is something that, that has been looked at a couple times. Are there negatives to having too much vitamin D in your body? There can be. It's a fat-soluble vitamin, so you definitely can get, get too much of it. Um, there, are, there are conditions associated with excess of vitamin D, and it is, isn't excreted in the urine like a lot of other vitamins because it's fat-soluble. So potentially, yes. And in this particular study and the other one I looked at, there was no adverse effect seen, but there is the potential. Panelists, did you end up supplementing your baby with vitamin D? Um, I haven't yet, um, but I just got the recommendation yesterday. <laughs> so um, I do plan on um, looking into it and, and supplementing him at least half of what I think the, a full breastfed baby would be. We haven't yet, and so I, think it's, I don't think the information is really out there. Um, and so I'm, I'm actually really appreciating hearing all this because we haven't yet. Um, but absolutely, from this point forward, I think we're going to be so... I'm surprised that it was just brought up to you now. Your baby's five months, is that right? Uh, four months. Four months. Because um, the recommendation is to start soon after birth. So usually I'll bring it up at least by the one-month visit. Okay. I, I, I know the doctor had had it on um, the handout, but I know when I asked about it at his two-month visit, I was told you know, that it would be addressed at the next visit. What do you think the concern would be waiting until the baby's six months old, for example, and not supplementing with vitamin D and, um, and waiting until they're starting to get solids and things like that. Do you think that it's possible to make up for, I know you described that you get about 10% from what you ingest. So do you think you could make up for that if they decided that they didn't want to supplement before then? 
I, actually, I don't think so in that a vitamin D deficiency, I think that a lot of the, the groups who look at it um, find that toddlers are also deficient. It's not that rich in foods. And to really get enough, you'd have to take a liter of vitamin D milk or a liter of formula. So I don't think like iron, like we were saying about iron, that it's like suddenly at six months you're getting enough vitamin D. That being said, in this latitude, in this climate, we don't see a whole lot of, I mean, well, actually, I, I've never seen rickets, but um, in terms of deficiency, maybe it'll be something we test more often, which actually this guideline talks about testing pregnant women, which I, don't, I know my OB hasn't tested me, but that's interesting to me. Um, but probably in this in this area, we see less of it because you do get sunlight. Um, that brings us to a whole other topic about the taboo of sun, um, yeah. which we can get into if we have time. No, I'd love to actually, because, you know, especially being here in sunny California, mm-hmm. Southern California, mm-hmm. um, is it is it necessary for our babies if we're out in the sun? I think the recommended dose of sun was like two hours a week or something like that. It's There's, there's various different um, amounts that, you know, they've said can create enough um, vitamin D to be sufficient. But it varies a lot, again, with latitude, how directly the sun is coming down. It's, it's really um, UVB rays that create, that are most important in creating vitamin D. And the midday sun is really the most important because if it comes in obliquely, it doesn't have the same effect as direct sunlight. But I mean, there's there's all kinds of estimates. I mean, some studies have looked at, you know, is, is two hours of sun exposure for, per week. A lot of the estimates were sort of based on old levels of vitamin D, vitamin D sufficiency, whereas now they've kind of raised those. But until six months of age, the AAP recommends not exposing your baby to direct sunlight. So one, one article I read is by an endocrine society who brings into question um, this taboo against sunlight. If you look at the, the public health cost of vitamin D-related disorders, if you include things that are thought to maybe be vitamin D-related, like the cancers, the prostate and breast cancers, and rickets and osteomalacia, compared to the public health cost of skin cancers, it could be much, much higher. So it's possible there may be a turnaround in that it's recommended to just go in the sun a little bit, <laughs> too. I mean, I, I, I don't know. But I think is that without sunscreen, though? Yeah, but it would be oh, for... because it would be It would, different. maybe for 15 or 20 minutes before... Because you said it if, was UVB instead of UVA? Right, so if... Right, and, and sunscreens block... Uh, the, in this article, they were saying that if you put, in, put on sunscreen correctly, it blocks over 95% of the sun's rays, so you really aren't making vitamin D then. But one of the one of the things they mentioned to say, like, let's say you let your baby in for 15 minutes before they have a chance to burn that, they may make enough in that time of vitamin D. The problem is it's not quantified, mm-hmm. and 400 international units is not dangerous. And so it's because they haven't quantified it all, they just say, everybody get this amount. But really, the ones at risk are going to be the dark-skinned babies in northern climates in winter months especially. Yeah, who don't ever have a chance to go outside because it's too cold. Right. And they're all covered up completely. Right, they're covered. So the more body surface area exposed, the more vitamin D you're going to make. So how are these supplements? Uh, is it in a drop? Is it liquid form, I'm assuming? How how are these given and how often? That's a really good question because I think that's one of your, your questions too. Um, they now sell a lot of just purely vitamin D drops because understandably people don't want to give things they don't need to give. 
um, you can get a multivitamin drop, which will always have the right amount of vitamin D, the 400 international units. But they now sell some forms. Um, there's one form called d which is easy to find at pharmacies, and that's in a, it basically comes like a dropper full. But um, as some people may have expressed, there's other additives that may be not, not desirable to certain parents. But now there's a few forms that actually come very, very concentrated. Just one drop has enough vitamin D. The risk of that is you, you could easily overdose. You just yeah. want to be careful to do just a drop. But there's um, there's a couple forms that I that I saw. One is called um, Just D. Um, it's sun, uh, it's by Sunlight Vitamins, and it has no additives. Um, it's just they have to have it in like a oil base, but that's it. Um, BioD Emulsion is another one that's just vitamin D. And then Carlson, the company Carlson makes some that are also just vitamin D um, without anything added. So those and are, you can get these at. I've seen the D Visol, the one that I was saying that's that may have some more additives. That's in a, a slightly larger volume. You can get that at Target and any any drugstore. These other ones I've seen more online, honestly, like on their websites or Amazon has a lot of them. So I send parents there. It's great for breastfeeding moms if you do it because a lot of moms will just put one drop on their breast and then the baby just takes it because it's pretty much taste free. That was going to be my question is what does it taste like? Because when I had to give my son those um, those iron drops, I mean, he just totally was not going for it. And we did like a multivitamin thing at first and that was fine. But when the pediatrician said we need more iron, then I just got the iron drops and he was like, no, 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 no. That's good to know, I guess, that this is kind of odorless, tasteless kind of thing. In terms of those, uh, the, the drop forms, the, the right. Devisol okay. has a bit of a taste, but from my experience, the babies seem to like it a lot. Okay, um, good. Iron, have you ever tasted his iron supplement? I've smelled it. It's very, <laughs> it very metallic. Yes, my son was is. on iron too. Um, <laughs> there's some forms that have a, that are a little sweeter okay. I can tell you about, but iron, it's just not, it, it just doesn't taste, doesn't. It doesn't. Good. It's no. a metal. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just, yeah, 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 it doesn't taste good. Okay. Once they can do chewables later, it's a little better. But. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, terrific. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lindenberg, for all your insight into these supplements for the breastfed baby. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, Boo Group. My name is Annie and I'm from Michigan. I just listened to your episode about partial breastfeeding, and I was so inspired by your panelist's story. I have been supplementing my daughter with formula since she was five days old due to a low supply, and she's now two months old. Listening to the moms on your show share their experiences with low milk supply and how they're still breastfeeding their babies, even at four months and older, just re-energized me to keep going. I knew every drop of breast milk counts, but I just felt better once the lactation consultant said those words as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. I totally appreciate your help. Thank you to all of our listeners. I hope you'll visit our website, theboobgroup.com, and our Facebook page to share your questions and comments about supplements for your breastfed baby. If you have any questions about today's show or the topics we discussed, call our Boob Group hotline at 619-866-4775, and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. If you have a breastfeeding topic you'd like to discuss, we'd love to hear it. Please just visit our website, theboobgroup.com, and send us an email through our contact link. 
Coming up next week, we'll be discussing tips to entertaining your toddler while breastfeeding your newborn. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, because mothers know breast. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of new mommy media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.